Blog Talk Radio. Well, on with the big show today. My wife just asked me if she can host a show on mascots. I guess after we've done about 300 or 400 shows, perhaps we're getting a little stale. I don't know, which is why Sean was kicked out for today. Not really kicked out, but he is being, being replaced by the one and the only, the producer of NBA on Sirius Radio, the host of So Much to Talk About, the man who played better at my wedding than the band did, Mr. Nabate Isles. <laughs> well, thank you for those kind words. How's everything going, Seth? Happy New Year to you, Carly and Jake. How's Jake doing? Jake is doing well. He's six months. He's almost crawling. We're about to have him start watching. We're about to have him start playing basketball. I'm pretty sure the Nets okay. can use him as a, as a point guard while Jeremy Lin is out. Absolutely. <laughs> I, there's no question. That, that, that's essential because... Uh, <laughs> Especially with no draft picks coming up, they got they got they got a really Spurs way of finding diamonds in the rough. <laughs> yeah, well, a six a six month old that can't put on that can't wear socks is certainly a diamond in the rough. Uh, a couple people asked. So every year I go on on Nabate's show, so much to talk about, and we do our year in review. Some people love it. Some people make fun of it or make fun of me about it. Not no one makes fun of you. <laughs> there was no issue. We had no falling out. There was no problem. Oh, Simply no, put, it ran late. We were running late this year on it. And now that I have to watch the little dude, my my freedom is a little bit, well, gone. So we yeah. will be back next year doing the show, just a little bit earlier in the Ab- season. Absolutely. And, and I still have to send you who um, the results of each of the categories. I still have to send you that via email. So I'll definitely yeah. do that for sure. Soon. So, so I guess we, we kind of have to get started. And if people want to call in 760-283-0846, you have to start, obviously, with the NFL. I was extraordinarily excited for these two games and then realized about a half hour into each of them, there was absolutely nothing to be excited about. Uh, I should have been able yeah. to pick both. I should have been able to pick. I, I, I stick with my Pittsburgh pick. I don't feel as bad, even when they got annihilated. I should have known with Atlanta. I should have known the Green Bay was just too injured. Atlanta is just too solid at home. Who did you did you have did you did you go two and zero like everyone else seems to have? I actually, I actually I picked Atlanta to win, but I thought it was going to be close because uh, Atlanta was they were a four and a half point favorite against the Packers. Uh, so I thought I picked the under. Uh, for Atlanta to still win, but I thought Green Bay was going to be very close and was going to go down to the wire. That's what I thought. And I thought wrong, that's for sure. 31 nothing. that let us know that Green Bay wasn't beating the spread at all. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. And then the New England game, the second Le'Veon Bell got injured. I mean, it, it may not have mattered anyway. It may not have mattered anyway, but... It was a game where now Ben is actually considering retirement. The game was so ugly. And really, other yeah. than that phenomenal Green Bay-Dallas game, what an awful playoff this has been. There has been nothing yeah. really watchable. Yeah, it, it's really unfortunate. I mean, first first of all, this season, the NFL, uh, the ratings have gone down because of the oversaturation of football, you know, with Thursday night and, and Monday night and Sunday night. And Sunday, you know, like the oversaturation, the ratings have gone down. 
the playoffs have not been exciting, as you mentioned earlier. And I think overall, it just, it just seems like the game is reliant. It's funny. People are more into fantasy football and into fantasy sports. <laughs> You know, with you know fantasy football, people are into that more than actually rooting for their team. But people watch the you know the red zone now. People don't watch full games anymore. You know, they watch the red zone to see if their guys are going to score a touchdown, especially if, if the teams that their that their uh, fantasy players are on are in the red zone. You know, they're going to rather deal with that than watching full games of their teams. It's very interesting the dynamic. Fantasy football yeah, it, end up it is in the game down the line. Do you have do you do you have music on in the background? Oh yeah, I do. I can. Can you can you turn it down a little bit? Sorry, it's it's kind of. Oh no, that's not no. I no, I don't have music in the background. It's not me. I hear music, but it's not me. And now suddenly it disappeared. That was really. Oh no, that wasn't. Okay. No, that wasn't me. No, you know I'm a professional. I wouldn't have no music in the background. Yeah, I couldn't figure out what that was. I thought that was the strangest thing. See, this is why the Bate, obviously, producer on NBA, you know, a serious on NBA, is accustomed to actually producing a real show as opposed to this rigmarole that we've been doing for, you know, the last five years. Uh, you know, <laughs> no, you guys, you guys bring more heat than, than many of the people on the professional airwaves around the country. You guys bring more heat. Thanks. So, hey. You know, well, real talk. because nobody, because nobody cares. Unfortunately, nobody cares about us, but that's okay. We have, we've had, you know, obviously you've been on the show probably more than anyone other than Sean and myself, and we, and my wife who's yelling in the background. You know, we, it is, you know, it, it, it is a fun run, and that's why you know we know, we don't we just do it for the love of the game at this point. You know, at one mm-hmm. point we had aspirations of be of bigger and better, but now we now it's just our loyal our loyal listeners like our little my little six month old who's playing. Who's trying to crawl right now, which is kind of interesting to watch. So I mean, nice. you look at, but you look at the super, yeah. But I think you brought up an ex- actually an excellent point. And you know, we discussed this at length. Now I'm a college football diehard. I'm a pro football diehard. I I love them both. My wife is thrilled that there's only one game left in the season. Time Saturday's done and Sundays. You know, I I could never understand. I could never watch the one o'clock, four o'clock game clock. I couldn't watch all three. I always watch the Giants because I'm a diehard. And, you know, I always would be doing something else while I'm watching a game. But the Thursday night, I really don't want to watch. The Monday night, unless it's a game that has, you know, has some, that has some meaning to me, whether, you know, be a fantasy or just a good game. And as you know, half these Thursday night games have been terrible because every team has to participate. Um, you're looking at a, it really, I, I think you hit it right. You just complete oversaturation. And I think it's similar to what happened in college basketball, where, you know, I'm I'm college basketball, big college basketball fan, and I used to love watching you know watching the ACC on su- Saturdays and on Sundays, and watching you know the Big East on, on on ESPN. And now it's on six nights a week. I can't keep up, and forgetting even that I have you know more responsibilities, a wife, a kid, you know, a company. It's too much. It's just too much. And, you know, I think you, you know, you further solidified your point with regards to fantasy. Now, look, I love fantasy. You know, Sean and I have obviously done quite well in your, in your, in your league. And we talk about it from time to time because it's fun. But, you know, we're Giants. I'm a Giants fan first and foremost. He's a Jets fan first and foremost. The fantasy overtaking what your team should be, you know, it kind of goes, it is, it goes against, it kind of it just goes against what I think the fiber of sports actually is. I mean, you can see this. I'm sure you see this. 
you know, in the NBA with, with, uh, with uh, daily, the daily, the daily fantasy, the daily, you know, I'm forgetting the name of it off the top of my head. Oh, oh and, DFS, you yeah, know, daily fantasy sports, yeah. DFS. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Where, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're watching the Knicks Pacers game and you're a diehard Knicks fan, but you have Paul George, you know, mm-hmm. it, it kind of goes, it, it's a very difficult, you know, to me, my team is still supersede fantasy. But I think for yeah. a lot of people, it doesn't anymore. It actually knows. On the, uh, reality for me, unfortunately, is that I, I see myself paying attention to DFS more than my actual team. You know, like I still cheer for them and everything like that. But I, I'm, I, I'm not, for lack of a better word, I'm guilty of it. You know, <laughs> like um, you know, like to well, to have that interest in DFS while you know, while the games are going on. And, and also to another thing too, a lot of people see these games at bars. So people don't look at their local teams as much anymore. People go to bars where you have 10 to 12 televisions showing all the games, you know? So that's, that's the phenomenon. I think that's another reason why ratings are down. Like people just, we have so much accessible. We have so much information, so much uh, (coughs) visibility, everything that's accessible to us. And and we and we t- we multitask, you know, and and some of us can't multitask. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a, it's a it's a generation of ADD, and you know I'm as guilty as anyone that while I'm watching a football game, I'm inevitably playing on the internet. I'm reading Twitter. I'm doing I I may be doing work even, you know, you know. So I mean, I completely get where you're coming from. Plus, you being a Knicks fan, God, they're difficult to watch. Even the Nets, I even find the Nets more enjoyable because at least they're trying. They're playing hard. The Knicks, oh god. I I actually and, I I actually disagree. I think I think the Knicks are are good to watch because they don't defend. You know, so it's no. it's kind of like you know they they're gonna be in an offensive battle, but they have very very entertaining offensive players on that team. They well, are they, exciting to fair. watch, and yeah. I, yeah, but but I'm I'm saying they 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 have very talented offensive players off the bench too. That of, I mean, when I go to Nick games to cover Nick games, I, I'm I'm excited to watch these games. The problem is they don't defend, and the problem is there's a lot of dysfunction going on, in you know with the organization, and and that starts at the top. You know, with with all these subliminal messages, uh, what the messages towards Carmelo Anthony, everything like that. It's you know, but also too, the New York media is fishing for stuff as well. It's not just, it's not the organization's fault. The New York media is fishing too. It's it's all sides, you know. But um, but I think the Knicks are are very they're a very exciting team to watch actually. When you think about it, you know they just they just are not you know by far far away from a championship, far away from being even a top four team. So, oh. You know, we had talked about this when you came on our preview. I think the last time you were on the show was when we did our NBA preview in September. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think my question, and it's still pertinent, is what is the best case scenario for this team? You know, if you win and, you know, they're, no, they're not near a playoff, bit, playoff spot at this point, but, you know, if everything goes well and you win out and you become a, you know, a top four seed and you win a playoff series, I don't think anyone saw them going any further – you know, you, you re-sign Rose, but you're still nowhere near a championship-caliber team. And that's still the goal yeah. at the end of the day. Because I, I said the best-case scenario this, would 
Yeah, I said the best case scenario would be 46 to 48 wins, which was a legit legit best case scenario when you looked at their roster. When you looked at you had Derrick Rose and Porzingis taking another step, but that was the best case scenario. I mean, realistically, yeah. I had the Knicks as a seven seed. You know, I had them around 43 wins. You know, realistically, the team, this team should have won. Should, I mean, it's still it's still early. You never know; they could go on a hot streak, but. At the end of the year, they should be a playoff team. You know, when you think about it, with Hornacek there and the offense being at a faster pace, but just the defense is so atrocious. And you, and we didn't think, too, that Joe Kim Noah, who really, you know, his defense is needed badly, we didn't think that he's he's just – he's really regressed physically. Yeah. I mean, right now, is you know, as much acrimony as there seems to be in that, in that you know, just a negative aura between – between Rose going AWOL and the Jackson-Anthony controversy and Hornacek being, you know, slaughtered in the press, they're only two and a half games out of a web, out of the eighth spot. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, look, you look, I mean, yeah, Milwaukee's ahead of them, and I think Milwaukee will end up in the playoffs, and Detroit has some talent. But you know, any of these teams between really five and eight, five and 11, excuse me, or even it can go in any direction. I mean, I mm-hmm. think you look. And, I think Cleveland, Toronto, and Boston are are are, far, are, are pretty far above everyone else. Atlanta's mm-hmm. in fourth in the conference, but I mean, they've been trying to sell off their players because they don't see they don't see a way out. You know, the, but the Wizards, the well, Hornets, the Pacers, the Bulls, the Bucks, the Pistons, and the Knicks. It's a it's kind of a any 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 kind of combination wouldn't really shock me that much. Yeah, and and I think and I find this exciting actually. I really do because I like parity. I personally like parity. I like what's going on in the middle of the conference. Um, you know, it's funny. Everyone anoints Boston as the third best team in the East. They've been terrible defensively, like throughout the yeah, season. Yeah, they really have. They have absolutely been. They have not. They really need another superstar because I do not think they can end up outscoring teams. Like, they think they can outscore teams. I don't think it will happen at all. And especially Isaiah Thomas, he could be neutralized in the playoffs. You can, you know, pretty much, like, force him to be a jump shooter. You know, and he is a good shooter, but you can you could trap him with the perimeter, or you can force him to be a jump shooter and just clog the lane. And Boston doesn't have any other guys that can score on a regular basis. They need they need to make a move badly. They cannot stay pat thinking that they're going to um, get by the Raptors. Raptors will beat them in a seven-game series. And thinking they get by the Cavaliers, let me tell you something. Boston, I don't think they'll get by the first round if they run into a Pacers team or a Wizards team, you know, a hot Wizards team, or the Bucks. The Bucks will be a major problem stylistically for the Celtics. So I'm telling you, they better make a move by the trading deadline. Danny Ainge, the sense of urgency, it's time is now. They have to try to get someone like a Cousins or, you know, and, and, and the Kings may sell DeMarcus Cousins with Rudy Gay getting, being hurt for the rest of the season. You know, like they, the Kings need to try to get that, that pick, that, that top three pick, that Brooklyn pick that Boston has. The Kings could get their point guard right there. They can end up jumping up to number one by luck, you know, of the lottery and end up getting a Mokel folks from um, Washington who can change that franchise around. So they well, better that, make a move. And that actually, that actually brings up the exact question I was going to ask. If you're Danny Ainge, would you trade that, that, that pick? 
No question for a superstar. For a, you package it for a superstar. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. DeMarcus Cousins for, is a superstar, you know, plain and simple. I mean, there's other guys that, that they can maybe go. I would Maybe Serge Ibaka is interesting. He's not a superstar. You And you also, you prob, they probably wouldn't have to give up that pick either for Serge Ibaka. You know, no, you're not giving up rent. the top three pick for Ibaka. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, 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 absolutely. But I'm saying they can, they can rent Ibaka. They don't have to resign him. But they can rent him, put Horford at the five, put Ibaka at the four. You know, I think he can be an interesting player because the Magic, they're not resigning him. So they better train him and get, and get something for him. Um, you know, I'm trying to think. There's really uh, uh, DeMarcus Cousins, as I mentioned earlier. Um, maybe Andrew Bogut. He's not a superstar, but he's someone that can absolutely shore up the middle for them and be that defensive presence uh, and everything. So there's a lot of options. And even, a, um, you know, someone like a Lou Williams who can come off the bench, but that that may not be a good idea because, you know, down the stretch, having Isaiah Thomas and Lou Williams, that's, that's, a, Williams, that's a liability. Yeah. That's a liability. But Lou <laughs> Williams is, is one of the best six men in the league, and he will help some team. You know, because he's not going to be with the yeah. Lakers by the trading deadline. They're trading him. No, no, no. But, he, but I think as they should. A team, a team with some talent, but a long, long way to go. You know, people kind of overestimated after 20 games when they were 10 and 10. And as you said, the 50. You know, the, the Lakers now, I think, 6 and 20 in their last, or 6 and 26, or 6 and, you know, some, some I mean, they, they have the worst record, I believe, outside of the, of the Nets. In the league, yeah, they're six and twenty-two, six and twenty-two, yeah, six and twenty-two, yeah. absolutely, and you, yeah. And you look, and you look, and you look around. You know, they have some nice players, and we don't know the extent of how good D'Angelo Russell will be. Is he athletic enough to be that superstar? Can Ingram gain the weight that he needs? And it, you know, I, I was listening. Was I don't think it was on your show. But it was on another one. It was a very interesting point. It's something that I've seen. I kind of call it the Billy King syndrome, where it mm-hmm. looks like Rob Hennigan did it in Orlando. And Jimmy Buss did it in, in the, with the Lakers, where in order to keep their jobs, you know, they, instead, they kind of sacrificed development for hopeful instantaneous growth. Meaning, you know, you paid $60 million for Moscow. You paid, they got the well dang. Or Orlando trades Oladipo for Serge Ibaka. You know, but I think in the first round for Serge Ibaka. I mean, these are people, yeah, these are people who wanted to be jobs. Which ended up being Donatus Sabonis, who is turning out nice to develop. Yeah, he's going to end up being a very a good starter in the league. You know, so. You know, I, I see that. You know, I look at that Lakers team. I just I don't see it. You know, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure on the talent. Now you, I mean, you know better than I do. But I'm not sure on the talent of that team at all. I mean, it's young, but you know, you, they've wasted. You know, Moscow at 16 million. You know, the salary cap is going to hit them hard. And the idea that you're doing this simply to try and keep your job instead of developing the franchise, I understand it. But it's it's a detriment. I I actually think the Mozgov move was not as bad. I think the Luol Dang move was horrible. Like, the Luol Dang move, like, you know, you have, you know, it's funny. You have someone like a Dang who you sign him to four years. Why are you doing that when you just drafted Brandon Ingram? Like, you're going to have Dang as a four-year mentor? And then, for like the third, fourth year of that contract, no one's gonna want that contract. No one wants that contract now. Like that—that that was the worst signing. Like him and Joe Kim Noah, the worst signings 
uh, in the free agent during the free agency period last summer. The worst. And Mozgov is, I mean, with him, he's he has size. He's a big. He can do different things, you know. Um, he's only averaging 7.7 points, 4.9 rebounds, only uh, a block, uh, half a block, excuse me, a half a block a game. But he's someone in the middle that, you know, the numbers don't really say what he contributes. So you can deal with, like, $64 million for four years because when the cap goes up, it's it's really going to be, a, you know, like a, a middle contract, near a middle contract um, by the end of the when it ends, but 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 dang, oh my god, like what were they thinking? What did what you were they remember? Thinking? You remember what Jang signed for? million for four years, wow. absolutely asinine. I mean, kind of, you know, I'm looking to the bottom of the west, and you have the Lakers, Phoenix seems to be. They seem just to be in a state of perpetual rebuilding. Is it worth them trading? I mean, you, you, there is some talent on, the, on that team. Is it worth them trading Bledsoe? I mean, he's their best player. He signed at a reasonable contract. But there have been rumor, trade rumors out there forever, you know, starting from when Cleveland wanted him, you know, when James wanted to get him. What do you do if you're Phoenix at this point? What does Robert Carver do? Oh, uh, yeah, Sarver uh, and Ryan McDonough. Um uh, I, I tell you, they ruined that roster because they had a good thing when they, um, when they, you know, they they traded, they they just traded too much, you know. They switched that roster around when Jeff Hornacek was there, and uh, they, you know, and then they signed Tyson Chandler has another uh, two and a half years left in his deal. Um, they have to trade Chandler. They have to find a way. But which team can be able to afford to take Chandler? Chandler can contribute to a playoff team, but what what team? Which team can actually afford to have him? Uh, Bledsoe, I think they should keep Eric Bledsoe. I think they got a good nuclear. They have to try to trade if they can. Try to trade Brandon Knight. Uh, that's someone they have to look to trade. Uh, and I think Knight has value. Uh, his contract is cheaper than Bledsoe's. Um, and but, but keep Eric Bledsoe and keep Devin Booker and keep um, uh, Marquise Chris and keep uh, Dragon Bender. You know those guys are your future. Uh, Alex Len as well, uh, Maryland guy. I would give him a chance to because he's put up some good, not bad, like eight points a game, nearly seven rebounds a game, and only twenty minutes, twenty-one minutes a game. So and a block and almost a block and a half. So Alex Len. I'm telling you, like, they got, they have to trade Tyson Chandler. Alex Len needs to play 30-plus minutes after the training deadline and have him play the last two months of the season, last month, excuse me, month and a half of the season, playing 30 minutes a game and let that kid go. Let him go, you know. Let him go out there and, and play and make mistakes and have great moments. And, and they need to trade Chandler. But who's, who can afford to get him once again? So, you know, you you look around the West, and you know, we can go team to team, but it doesn't make. It. When we when we spoke in the beginning of the year, you know, I, I think we all kind of. I think you made the comment, if I remember correctly. You know, there were mm-hmm. four teams that could win the that could win the championship: the Spurs, the Cavs, the Warriors, and the Clippers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At this point, you know, the Clippers started off great. They were hot, the hottest team in the NBA to start the season. Injuries have just taken their toll. Paul's out for six weeks, six to eight weeks. Griffin is just coming back. 
they've been surpassed by Houston there, you know, who's been shockingly good under D'Antoni. Do you look, is it time to dismantle this team in LA with free agency coming up on their big players? That's a great question. Um, They're in a situation where they could potentially not gain anything for Chris Paul or uh, Blake Griffith because both those guys could end up moving off free agency. Um, They have a major decision to make. It depends. I, I have to say, Seth, it depends on what Blake Griffin does over the next uh, – because All-Star break starts uh, – All-Star weekend is the 17th through the 19th. Uh, the Clippers' last game uh, should be on the 15th because most, most of the NBA – I'm going to look at the schedule now, but most of the NBA uh, – and, you know, there's and, of course, there's the TNT doubleheader on Thursday the 16th. That's the end of the um, – End of the All Star break. Uh, excuse me. End of the first half going into All Star break. So the Clippers, I think now it's, it's January twenty fourth. In ten days, if they start, if they because they had a big win in Atlanta without Blake or Chris Paul, they did have a big win in Atlanta. I tell you right now, if they don't show any progress, they they may have to try to see if they can ship Blake somewhere. They have to see and 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 yes, their last game of the first half of the season is going to be Wednesday, the Clippers, and they're playing at Phoenix. So basically after the All-Star break, the season starts again on the 21st. Uh, the, All-Star, the, the, the trading deadline is the, 20, uh, is the 23rd. So they're, they're – oh, excuse me, I'm sorry. The first day of the – I'm sorry, the first, after the All-Star break is the 23rd or the first, first night of games, the 23rd. So they have to evaluate in the next 10 days if Blake Griffin hopefully has great games. The best-case scenario, Seth, is that Blake Griffin has monster games and they still lose. Now, if that happens, then they can, they can get a lot of value for him. I mean, you, you, should, you should get a lot of value for him anyway. You won't yeah. get the greatest amount of value, but you should still get a lot of value. So hopefully, best-case scenario – is that they go down in the standings in 10 games, excuse me, in 10 days, and Blake Griffin has monster games. Well, I think they need least, to trade this him. Leads to, this and leads guess to something what? else. And guess, guess where he can go? Boston. Yeah. For, Boston. That, for, that number, for that number three pick, that, uh, the, uh, a top three pick. I'm sorry, not number three, but for that top right. three pick they have from yeah. the Nets. Most likely, top, yeah, the, jail, the, uh, Brooklyn, the Brooklyn pick. Mm-hmm. That leads to an mm-hmm. interesting premise. And this is something I've never really heard discussed before. And I'm not sure if I'm off base on it or not. But I looked through Doc Rivers' history. You know, Doc was in Orlando, was the coach of the year for a team that went to the 18th, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. Ends up going to Boston. Oops. Somehow. See, this is the problem with running, with running a uh, – Jesus. With running a uh, radio show from your, from your, your kid's baby room. Where you accidentally knock into something and suddenly a rhinoceros goes up. But he goes to Boston, is going nowhere with that team until they make trades for two of the top 50 players of all time. You know, he, they win the championship with five all, with for all intents and purposes, four all stars. And then they go to the, he goes to the Clippers, you know, to kind of put together his team. And they never make, they win what, two playoff series? They've never made a conference final, I don't believe. 
Yeah, they, no, they never made a conference final. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Vinny, so let me tell you, not not any better than what Vinny Del Negro did. And no, Vinny Del Negro exactly was treated my point. Like crap, who got you know? run out? Mm-hmm. Who got run out of L.A. And win it after winning fifty six games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> unbelievable. And you know, I look at this, and you know, nobody ever questions Rivers. I mean, he was. At one point, considered the runner-up for for you know a Popovich for the Olympic team coach. Is it me or is is should his his reputation take a little bit of a hit? Because it's like he seems kind of te- Teflon-esque. But you know, the win with four All Stars again is, is is impressive, but it's not world-beating. It's kind of and you know with two All Star with more than two All Stars with you know Griffin and Jordan and and Paul. Again, you know the spur, the West is very good, but how the this team has not made a conference finals. You know, I mean, you go back to that three-one collapse, and there's no other way to put it against Houston. But shouldn't he be getting a lot more flack than he does? Yeah, I mean, he has he has a lot of um, support out there with the Clippers because remember he's he's running the team too. Uh, he is yeah he's he's um, he's the president of basketball operations there as well. So. Um, so he's, he's just, you know, he has a lot of confidence, a lot of, uh, confidence by, by the general manager, excuse me, by the owner, Steve Ballmer, excuse me. And, and he has a, a decent general manager and Lawrence Frank under him. But at the end of the day though, uh, yeah, he's, he should be getting a lot of, uh, there's a lot of pressure on him for sure. And, and, and it could be a, a, a factor where he's going to have to, um, choose one job or the, or the other and i see him probably going up to the president's office you know <laughs> being in the front office yeah. and letting someone else coach the team and uh i think it would be great if, if he coach if he let mike woodson coach mike woodson is actually coaching tonight um for the clippers because uh, doc rivers is ill tonight so mike woodson is back uh as head coach good to see that he's doing that at philadelphia um and and so so I think he needs to do that. But at the end of the day, let me tell you something. If he doesn't get anything for Blake Griffin and Chris Paul, or Chris Paul, if he doesn't get anything for those guys, oh man, that that franchise is going to take. I'm telling you, they're going to go back to the clip. They're going to go back to the days of like the late '80s in the LA Sports Arena, and like you know where they <laughs> where they were just horrible, you know. So. I tell you right you now, think he maybe De- get De- for Blake. DeAndre Jordan will be running to Dallas saying, "Mark Cuban, please sign me." Mark Cuban, please sign me. Yeah, pretty much, because he doesn't like to be the lead dog. <laughs> he doesn't want to be the main option. So, yeah. Well, if you remember what happened when the, with the contract last time, though, with Jordan, mm-hmm. where he signed with that, he agreed with Dallas, and then he hit out while the while the Clippers got got him back. Right, absolutely. The reason right. was because he he had second thoughts because the the Mavericks said they wanted to revolve the offense around him, and 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 he yeah. he got scared at that. And but you know I I yeah. give him respect that he was honest with himself, knowing that he, that he didn't really have the temperament or the skill set to be able to carry the team offensively. But you know, no. I mean, if you want to be a great player, put put that pressure on yourself, and you're getting paid twenty per. So what's the difference? You know what I mean? You're getting paid. Just put that pressure on yourself to become better instead of just being a rebounder and a rim protector. One of the big controversies that's come out over the last week has been the All-Star Game voting. And 
you know, the, 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 it's always, it was always the, the fans and the players wanted a say, and they get a say. And supposedly 63 players, you know, they were, they've been, des- they've been absolutely desec- desecrated in the press. I think it was 60 mm-hmm. players voted for 63 different starters for the Western All-Star team. Like, you know, you know, people who guys like Mo Williams who retired got a vote. You know, yeah. to me, you look at you know either take it seriously or don't do it. But I don't think you can have it. I don't think you can have it both ways. And you know, Steve yeah. Kerr kind of st- st- spoke about it a little bit. I thought pretty eloquently. And there's no real fan base to make this discussion because you know when, when the fan base is vo- voting in Zaza Pakuli uh, as, as your starting center, that's problematic as well. Mm. Um, I'm sure this has been discussed at length on your show, but you know you look at it. You know, does anyone really have an answer on how this should be handled? And you know, do you think that it should be taken away from the players if they're not going to take it seriously? You know what I think. Uh, you know, it's 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 just. Um... It, it's a situation where you can never have a 100% correct system, you know. Um, it's yep. You have to it, – it just won't happen. And it's funny. I'm looking at the player voting right now. And check this out. Uh, 300 – if this will come up, the player vote. Okay, anyway, there's around – okay, here we go. Good, good, good. 324 players participated in the voting process, right? LeBron James only received 198 votes out of 324 players. You know, <laughs> and now now check this out. Check check out people that got votes. Um, you had let me see here. I'm trying to see who got what with votes and everything. Yeah, you had you know you had yeah. For example, like John John Henson had two votes. You know, come on now. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's it's just ridiculous. And 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 for example, as well, John Wall only got forty nine votes out of the three hundred twenty four votes. Like really? Are are you kidding me? You know, like Glenn Robinson the third got four votes. Mario Hazonia <laughs> got three votes. You know, so this is this is the type of if thing. You can, if you can hear in the ha- background, my son, my my son is crying at this. Listening to these exactly. numbers. Yeah, yeah, I, he, he it's is. It's ridiculous. And, and, check, and check it out. Evan, Evan Fournier, Harzonia's teammate in Orlando, got two votes. How did Harzonia get more votes than Fournier? <laughs> what? You know, like three to two. Like, this is ridiculous. So you have to, you have to, like, at the end of the day, what needs to be done is, um, you know, I, I have to, I, I would say a good system would be, to have like um have certain players have a committee you know have a committee of uh certain players not every player but a committee of veteran players you know um being the voters you know like pretty much like a, a different committee maybe like a representative from each team to collect maybe collective votes from their team you know like someone that you know like have collective votes everything like that that can work um, you know, a system like that. And uh, and then, you know, of course, uh, have the fans, you have to have the fans vote, you know, like like I think you have yeah. to definitely have that happen because, uh, but at the end of the day, when you have other entities voting, then you won't have the Zaza Petulia situation, which, you know, yeah. luckily didn't happen. Now, speaking of, well, not speaking, his teammate Stephen Curry, not an undeserving all-star by any chance, 
But, I mean, when you look at what this year has been, this year has really been revolved around two players, in my opinion, and then everyone else. And that's, of course, Russell Westbrook and James Harden. Curry overtaking Westbrook for the, you know, for the, for the starting position, uh, starting, mm-hmm. starting point guard on the all-star team. Who is, the, who is your all-star? Who is, excuse me, who is your MVP at this point? Oh, uh, my this MVP. Is why, this is why I don't have my wife in the background. Yeah, I, I have to say it. <laughs> it's extremely close, but I tell you this right now: it's not a two-man race; it's a three-man race because Kawhi Leonard is Kawhi, there? is Kawhi Leonard up right there now. with those guys. Yeah, and 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 his team only has nine losses. You know, they have the second best record in the NBA by far. And without Tim Duncan, also now remember this too: Gasol is going to be out for a long period of time. Tony Parker has been out. Ginobili is older. Lamarcus Aldridge has been inconsistent, even though he has had a good January. But the first his first two months were not that good, not at the money that they're paying him, and not you know based on his reputation as being one of the best interior offensive players in the NBA. Um, so, but Kawhi Leonard has done everything on the defensive end, on the offensive end. He's so good defensively that the Spurs' defense is actually worse with him on the court. You know why? It's like the syndrome. It's like the Revis Island syndrome. You know, like <laughs> you don't want to grow. Yeah, you just like you don't want to throw on that side, and whoever Kawhi's guarding. They're not going to to go to that side where you know to that play that Kawhi is guarding. They're not going to do that. Um, so so the rest of the defense of the Spurs is exposed. The rest of the defenders. So Kawhi Leonard, I think right now the MVP. Right now, I would have to say, I mean Russell Westbrook's averaging a triple double, and um, you know also another thing too, Westbrook doesn't have the players around him. Um, that James Harden has, and he doesn't have a system that James Harden has. He has a very free-throw system where the ball goes through him. But he's averaging a triple-double. I had Harden like a week ago as MVP, but also now the Rockets, they're they're not winning games, and also Harden's shooting has not been great over um, over the last couple weeks. So I have Westbrook close. Uh, Westbrook leading close, Harden close second, and Kawhi is not far behind them at third. That Kawhi is still, <clears throat> he's still. It's, the funny thing is, you go to even a casual fan, and most of them still don't know who Kawhi Leonard is. It is amazing how someone who has been this good for the last, the last three years, he's been a top three to top five player in the league. And nobody really knows who he is or knows because he, he San Antonio is just a perfect spot between Popovich and such a small market that he can kind of mm-hmm. hide it. He can kind of hide away a little bit. And also, he doesn't do commercials. So he, has, he doesn't. He he doesn't no. do commercials. His face is not out there. He's not like Harden with the beard, the whole beard moniker. Uh, him doing all those Adidas commercials, going out with Kim Card, excuse me, Khloe Kardashian uh, last summer. Uh, you know, then Russell Westbrook with his fashion line, with his ruthless aggression, right. with his cantankerous nation nature, with the media that always gets a lot of attention as well. Uh, so he's out there. LeBron is, of course, LeBron. Steph Curry, of course, you know, the babyface assassin. Right. Um, you know, so Kawhi is someone that 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 doesn't. He he's so soft spoken. It's ridiculous. I mean, last night uh, he spoke. 
before the game spoke to a couple of us and we asked him questions and he just, you know, he just looks down and answers the questions very soft spoken, doesn't have anything polarizing to say. Um so that's why no one knows who he is, but let me tell you something like he can end up being the best player in the league in the next 2 years, you know? The guy can ball. There's just no there's no other way to put it. The guy just balls mm-hmm. and just doesn't worry about anything else. And I and I said it coach- all along and I said when it's out of San Diego State, I thought he was going to be a perennial all-star when he came out of San Diego State. I loved him in San Diego State, you know? But I didn't see this. I did not see this. Well, no, I, I, I don't think anyone could have started this. Yeah, yeah. I, I you know, I mean, like, um, but no one saw him even as a perennial all-star. No one even knew who he was when he came out of San Diego State, you know what I mean? No. Like, so, yeah, so. No, La- Larry, it, uh, was it Larry Bird, remember, made a comment, after, you know, that it was – he made the. I think it was right after he made the trade for George because he traded that pick to San Antonio for George Hill, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, and guess who else was in that deal? As well, guess who came along with Kawhi Leonard? The rights of Davis Bertans, the Latvian uh, uh, stretch four that has been having great games for the Spurs and has been tremendous coming off the bench. He is. He was the guy. His draft rights. He was drafted in the second round, and the Spurs received his draft rights in 2011. And Bertans, like six seasons late, no, five seasons later, it comes over. Incredible. And it's yeah. been, no, it's been fantastic. And that's why San Antonio, you know, is the new. They're the New England Patriots of, you know, they they are the most consistent franchise in, in in the NBA and probably in sports at this point because they're. You look at that team. What they have done from an international standpoint, the diversity that they have, where they've been able to just, I mean, we both watched Patty Mills at St. Mary's. He was a nice mm-hmm. player, but nobody saw that. Nobody saw this. You know, you well, saw Bobby Diaw in Utah. You saw, you saw him as this good? I, I, I saw, good I saw him as a very good bench player. Yeah, very good bench player. Because remember in the Olympics, in the Olympics, he was the leading scorer in 2008 or 12. He was the leading scorer for Australia. Like in the Olympics, he I remember he blew up the U.S. for like thirty in one game, you know. Right, like and, and yeah, so it's like no, Patty Mills. I love them in St. Mary's. I thought yeah, but I thought he is what he who I thought he would be a great bench player, a good guy. To, like he's not he's not a starter. I think he's better. He's like a Vinnie Johnson type of player, microwave type of guy. You know, like a, even like you know like someone that comes off the bench, that six man that can score a lot. That that is at the guard position, and let me tell you, those type of players are very very valuable. And um, Mills is a scorer; he can score. Yes, he can. I mean, you look at Barastia, what he does, in, what he you know, what he did in San Antonio versus what he's done anywhere else. For whatever reason, everyone's game escalates thirty percent. You know, when you go to San Antonio. Yeah, like. before, and that's a reflection of yeah. Buford and Popovich and that system that mm-hmm. they have down there. And and that's the thing, but Boris Diaw is the right type of player because Boris Diaw, like he doesn't, he's another player that doesn't show in the stat sheet, you know. Like he no. he still he's outstanding. He's an outstanding versatile, like his versatility is outstanding, you know. And and he's someone that he's he's put up like versatile numbers in Phoenix. He was incredible. He was incredible in Phoenix in Mike D'Antoni's system because he was yeah, because he, he can pass. He was a, a power, a, you know, a stretch four, not a stretch four, excuse me, a, a a point forward, 
and and he's perfect for San Antonio. And David Lee is now beginning to show he's perfect because now they're running the offense around David Lee at times because David Lee is an exceptional passer, and and he's the same type of player as as Boris Diaw is. And also another kid, Cal Anderson, who was the last pick in the draft in two thousand fourteen. From UCLA, Kyle Anderson is now emerging as that type of player. When you have that versatility and you can do anything offensively from the standpoint of facilitating, hitting an open shot, hitting an open, you know, except David Lee is not a a three-point shooter, but he can still hit a 15-footer, you know, um, and stuff. But, but But hitting an open outside shot, um, you're going to you're going to do well in San Antonio or in D'Antoni's system, you know, when it comes to ball movement, you know. So, well, and you said, look, David Lee. We remember him in New York. David Lee was a really nice player in New York, and you know yeah. he was you know he was the number one on a bad team, but yeah. he had the talent to do. You know, he knew what his talent was. He could hit the 15 to 18 foot jump shot. He could rebound and he could outlet pass. He could pass. You know, he was not a superstar, mm-hmm. but he was a very nice player. But he said you put him in a system that can utilize these strengths, and the Knicks never really could do that because they didn't have the talent surrounding him or the mm-hmm. structure, for that matter, surrounding him. And, you know, he's pretty much, you know, after a couple of nondescript years in Golden State, I mean, he's kind of reinvented himself again. Well, so yeah, you, you not, well, really... yeah, a couple of nondescript He had a couple of good years in Golden State, actually, yeah. and then as they got really good, he kind of went – a little bit further well, down yeah. the bench. Draymond Green took that gig. Draymond Green took yeah. his gig. That's what happened. You know, <laughs> that's, that's yeah. exactly he, what happened. He, I mean, look, you're being replaced by a top 15 player in the league. You can't, you know, these things happen. Which um, no one thought. You know, which no one thought. So. No, nobody, nobody could have. You know, who else? When you, when you look around the league, you know, coach of the year is Dan Tony. Uh, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. But I, I tell you this right now. Um, I, I tell you, if 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 uh, Greg Popovich has that major consideration, because you look, they the Spurs have had injuries throughout the season, you know. And uh, I'm telling you, Greg Popovich, I think if he continues, if the Spurs win 65, 66 games again, you know, and and Houston wins only like 53 or something like that. You may have to give the edge to Greg Popovich, you know. But let me tell you this right now: a team that is an, a great story that we haven't talked about yet are um, the Philadelphia Seventy Sixers. This team, Joel Embiid, has t- completely turned this franchise around from the standpoint of just like his na- his his radiant personality, his demeanor. He's funny. He has fun, but he is a competitor. At the same time, and this Philadelphia 76ers team, even though Embiid is not playing tonight, they compete hard. They're only five and a half games back of the eighth seed. And I tell you right now, if they somehow make the playoffs, if that happens, if they somehow make the playoffs, then Brett Brown will be coach of the year. Brown, yeah. And credit, no and all credit to Brett Brown. I mean, this was a this has been an extraordinarily difficult few years to coach that coach in Philly. Um, mm-hmm. You know, trust the process, like Hinkle, dislike Hinkle. You know, you're coaching a team where you know going into the year you're not winning more than 15 games, and mm-hmm. you know they have this young talent, and they've done this, of course, without number one pick Ben Simmons, who we don't you know we don't know 
how that's going to, how that's going to play out. You know, I mean, he's a great talent. We'll just, we'll see how he fits in, but with Sarich and with Embiid and the, you know, they're going to end up, I assume they're going to end up trading either Okafor or Noel. Yeah. They and, have to, that's another team. That's another team like Boston needs to make a deal. The Philly has to make a deal. They cannot keep both those players after the trade deadline. That cannot happen. They have to trade one of those guys. Yeah. You know, but you look and you know, for the first time you can, there is certainly a light at the end of the tunnel, you know, down in the city of brotherly hate. And, yeah, you know, and guess we, what, I guess. Mm-hmm. No, I want to jump around a little bit just because we only got about 15 minutes left. I want to jump to a pretty entertaining year in college ball. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've been, I know how diehard you are. My team is 16 and two. I have no complaints. I mean, nobody talks about us, but that's okay. You know, yeah. But you look at, you watch UCLA play, you know, watch Lonzo Ball and TJ Leaf. You know, I've been someone who has crushed Steve Alford for years. You know, I didn't think he deserved the UCLA job coming out of New Mexico. I thought it was more out of reputation than, than actual performance. And, the, you know, man, that team is fun. You know, yeah. but you look, they're good. Kentucky is very, Kentucky's a lot of fun. Kansas is 18-1 and one and playing – West Virginia tonight. It's been kind of, I don't know if it's been just the overabundance of three-point shooting or what has happened, but there was a couple years ago, in my mind, the college game stagnated. Kind of the Butler, the UConn-Butler championship year kind of comes to mind where Mm -hmm. I was just saying, this is getting worse and worse. And Mm -hmm. I don't know what's happened, but the last couple of years, it's been so much more of a free-playing, enjoyable to watch in college basketball, look, you know, a lot of these one year, you know, you, you know, Lonzo Ball is, is one and done. You know, Markel mm-hmm. Fultz is one and done. You know, mm-hmm. you know, that's just the nature of the beast. But, man, is it me or is the game just a lot more enjoyable to watch at this point? Yeah, it's a lot more because these one and done kids are just coming in uh, already excelling. You know, I mean, they already come in and also, uh, like, the quality of player is, has gotten much better. Uh, and 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 these kids are are just coming out like at a high high level. I mean the guards that are in this country like and for example Josh Hart, he's most likely going to be the player of the year, most likely, mm-hmm. and he's a senior, and he's someone that could possibly be a late round pick, um, and everything like. So I look at Josh Hart, but that's what I mean. Like you have people like you still have seniors that excel you know, like Josh Hart. So it's just very interesting. And then you look at the guards. I mean, the three guards of Alonzo Ball, Markel Fultz, and Dennis Smith, these guys are, are, are tremendous, and they're freshmen. You know, they come in making an immediate impact, like come in being potential All-Americans, you know. Um, and, and it's just great. It's just great to see in Kentucky. They're exciting, even though they have their lulls at times, you know, uh, and everything. But – you know, still they, they not their lows, but I mean they they they've sleptwalk at times. You know, but well, when you look, if you're in the SEC, you're gonna you're gonna sleepwalk at times. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just yeah, the nature yeah, of that conference. 
basically, but, but, they, but they but they showed that they they're running and gunning, and I think Coach Cal doesn't want that, you know. But a lot of exciting teams. I mean, there's Baylor, great run, uh, led by uh, Coach Drew, and and let me tell you, to me, the coach of the year. I, 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 okay, I mean, you have Villanova, but I mean, the coach of the year is between two people: Mark Few at Gonzaga, who's undefeated right now, and the W and the West Coast Conference is not. It's not a terrible conference. They they have St. Mary's in that conference, and right there, and St. Right. Mary's is, has been solid. But I think, but I think Mark Few and Leonard Hamilton, Coach Ham, are easily both the coaches of the year so far. And I think I would give the edge to Leonard Hamilton because the ACC is by far the best conference in college basketball, and Florida State has been outstanding this year. They've been stunningly good. Um, you brought up Dennis Smith, who was absolutely unbelievable. And no Malik Beasley. And Malik Beasley nope. left nope. after his freshman year. So no Malik Beasley, and they're still this great, you know? Yeah. Now, Florida State, you know, every year they have talent. They have, and you're waiting for the year where something hits. And this was not a year of expectation. You know, you knew Dwayne Bacon was pretty good. You knew Isaac was a big, you know, was a big name coming in. But mm-hmm. very rarely have I looked at the top of the ACC – and seeing seen Notre Dame in, in Florida State. And it is, you know, Hamilton, in my mind, is the coach of the year. Gonzaga, the only reason, as good as few is, and I don't know the team as well as I have in prior years, there's no, there's no big name this year. There's no Sabonis or Adam Morrison or Dan Dickow or guys like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they did beat Arizona, but they beat Arizona without Alonzo Trier. Or, so or, even, sure, Sabon- sure or even Sabonis. Did. They don't have a Sabonis yes, or either, you know, like their, yeah. la- their last great player. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but they're at a they're, – usually they play a really tough at its conference schedule, and they haven't as much this year. And, look, they very well may be undefeated. They may be the St. Joe's of, two, of 27 – the 20, was it, 2005 St. Joe's team where they go undefeated and still – and are still – not really considered to be a favorite in any way. I mean, I think when you look at the favorites, you're looking at Kansas. As you said, you know, Frank Mason III is going to be right there with Josh Hart, probably with, you know, Malik Monk and Lonzo Ball for player of the year. But but there's a difference. I mean, sorry, I, mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry. Please. Oh, no, no. I'm sorry to interrupt. But there's a difference with Gonzaga. They've been great. They've been at a high level for 20-plus years. You know what I mean? Like they've been at a yeah. high level for twenty, not twenty plus, but twenty years since the late nineties. Like Saint Saint Joe's, that was different. That was like a team that were un, they they were undefeated that one season. You know, right? Um, they were still they, they were consistently good team. They were just never no no. That team. But not like Gonzaga. Gonzaga Gonzaga no. averaged a top fifteen in the last twenty years. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like so. Yeah. yeah, they unfortunately have never made a Final Four, unfortunately. But, but the, yeah, so that's why it's a diff, it's different for Gonzaga. Gonzaga's a national power, in my opinion. Yeah, and talk about, I mean, there, if there are three or four, you know, talk about a place. I've been actually to Gonzaga University. I'm in the middle of nowhere mm-hmm. up in Spokane. But to, I would mm-hmm. love to see a game up there just to see what it's like. Wow, and Mark, that you, would you know, be nice. You know, cut, you know, kind of credit to few that you can get players, up, you know, kind of like Chris Peterson was at Boise State, you know, where he was mm-hmm. there for a long time, you know, after Dan Hawkins. And, you know, he wasn't looking, you know, he built powerhouse after powerhouse and kind of exceeded, mm-hmm. and exceeded Hawkins. You know, mm-hmm. Few has done the same thing with Dan Munson. 
You know, Dan Munson was, yes. was the coach who took them to the final eight the first year, where they lost to Florida, I believe. Right. And that was ninety six, ninety seven, something along those lines. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm trying to remember which year Dan. Maybe it, 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 it was around that time. And you know, Monson goes to Minnesota. Monson goes to I think Long Beach State. I don't know if he's still even coaching at this point. Few mm-hmm. is kind of a soft-spoken guy. Just comes in, and in the last 15 years, I'm sure he has gotten so many offers. I got it was you know I look at University of Washington, you know who gets so much talent. They get Foles. You know they they're going to get the number one you know recruit in the country, Michael Porter next year. Oh no 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 no. no. The- DeAndre, no, Ayton is the number one. Yeah, Aiton, excuse me, is the number one recruit. Yeah, He's going to Arizona, I believe, but Porter right. is right. Porter is a top five guy. Right, no, 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 but they have the best recruiting class. I'm sorry. Washington's the best recruiting class. Yes, they'll have the best recruiting class. And and that's the thing, too. You wonder, you wonder, Lorenzo Lamar, okay. You know he's doing his thing and everything recruits and gets great players. You know Marcus Chris was a was a lottery pick right. out of there last year. You know like all these great players that he's getting. But let me tell you something. I bet you Mark Few would love to have that gig. Love to that's have the that. Only, gig. That's the that's the gig. That's the gig you see him going. By the way, just for just for shits and giggles, US, ESPN today Michael Porter takes over the top spot in the, in the ESPN rankings for for DeAndre. Just happened to pull that up. We yeah, well, that's ESPN's it. opinion, but but we know that yeah, Aiden is going to be the is going to be the number one pick in the draft. Like I'm, I'm looking at guys, uh, oh, yeah. that him as being the best pro. You know, I'm looking at because remember one and done. You know, so but um, I'm, but no, I'm, but I'm that, familiar with how it goes. So mm-hmm. what are you, right now, halfway through the season, we talk mostly NBA and college ball. You sticking with your Warriors, Cavs in the finals? I mean, who else? Who will it be? Really, yeah. when you think about it, who else will it be? And uh, it's 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 kind of it's that's depressing. Like where there's where there's no suspense on who's going to uh, be at the end. But college basketball makes college basketball exciting. You don't know who's winning this year. Oh, I do. It's a team with the three best freshmen in the country, best three freshmen starting in the country down in College Park. <laughs> you know, we'll see about that. <laughs> but, but no, you but this, you know what? It's it's been enjoyable to watch. Mm-hmm. And um, I tell you this yeah, right now: look, we're if, if Jay Wright, Jay Wright, if if Villanova wins this year, which they're pretty looking pretty good, they win the whole thing this year. Jay Wright is has punched his ticket to the um, to the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame and, and to the pros. But I mean, I, um, to to the Hall of Fame. No, he'll be a Hall of Famer. Yeah, well, that would be his third uh, Final Four because he went once with, when Scotty Reynolds hit the layup. And they yeah, got, but, but that would be two titles. That would be two titles. Like, yeah, two, yeah when you no. get two titles, you're pretty much you're pretty much cinched. And also uh, Wright has um, – I don't know how many career wins Jay Wright has. I have to look that up. But um, he, he definitely – I'm sure he has over 500 career wins around. So, yeah, he, he will be heading to the Hall of Fame. You know, definitely. So, we got about a minute to go. Anything you want to promote? You, you know, it's it's it, you know. Thank you, Debate. As always, it is a pleasure having you on the show. Oh, and, pleasure to be here. Thank you, know, you so much, Seth, for having me. You want to talk about a little bit what's going on with with Sirius? With so much to talk about, and any other stuff going on? Yes, uh, with so much to talk about, uh, we uh, it's 
great. We air Wednesday nights, 9 p.m. Eastern Time. And you can go on MNN, MNN, Manhattan Neighborhood Network, MNN.org, and go on the Spirit link, the Spirit Channel link, and you can see my show live streaming at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, also, locally, it's on Time Warner, Manhattan Cable, 1997, RCN channel 34 and Verizon Files channel 85 and also excuse me I'm sorry RCN channel 35 and RCN channel 84 excuse me um, and also too yeah you can go on my YouTube page NSI World you'll see interviews I've done over the past years and stuff and also my show that I produce on Sirius XM NBA radio uh, channel 207 on Sirius Radio, Channel 86 on XM Radio. It's every Monday through Friday, uh, 10 to 1 p.m. Eastern Time. So you can check that out. I'm sometimes on air uh, contributing and stuff like that, so it's fun. Yeah, I'm still I'm still thinking he's going to beat Tim Legger in that three-point contest. If you ever check him out on, on Legler's show, it's very funny. Oh, no, 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 no. I was saying Tom Byrne. Tom Byrne I was going to beat. In the contest. <laughs> oh, okay, that makes that makes a little bit more sense. I ain't giving you that much exactly. love. Exactly. All right, not, not Legler. No. For the Bots Isles, this is Seth Cavins on the Seth and Sean Sports Radio Show. Check us out on YouTube, on YouTube, on iTunes, on BoxSportsPage.com. Talk to you next week. Thanks again, everybody. Bye. Take care. Bye. 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 Bye.